and welcome to Sticky Wickets, the only cricket podcast that thinks the Moose Cup is the best trophy in modern sport. We have a fun show tonight talking about the, another victory for England and other international tournaments like West Indies versus Bangladesh. But before we get into that, into a rhythm, we would like to preface this as it's going to be very stat heavy. Don't be alarmed. We aren't going to be talking about batting indexes or anything like that, but there's going to be lots of records broken this past week. So, as ever, I'm joined by Toby. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yeah, um, obviously our first podcast back after the uh, Chris Millard interview, which uh, we did last week, uh, which we both thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, go go give it a listen if you haven't heard it yet, guys. It's it's fantastic. And we were so lucky to, to interview him. Yeah, we'd like to say thank you again, Chris, because it's, it's been my favourite podcast so far. It was because it's not just about cricket, because sometimes I think with interviews with people who are related to cricket it is just talking about cricket but we sort of talk as well as the cricket to the business side as well and it's if you're not interested in cricket but you're interested in other sports like football and you want to know how a fan base sort of mobilizes and sort of becomes a business he was really good at talking about that so let's start this episode off with a really positive performance of England in the second test at goal, winning by six wickets on day four. Sri Lanka actually started the better, scoring 381. Angelo Matthews' ton was the pick of the batting, but the main talking point had to be England's bowling. Jimmy Anderson became the oldest fast bowler to take five wickets in a match, uh, in an inning, sorry, surpassing Glenn McGrath's record. And also, he beat Glenn McGrath's record of 30 test match fifers. But Anderson really wasn't aided by the spinners. And Toby, could you talk about how good Jimmy was and how bad almost the spinners were in the first test match? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an unbelievable effort from the seam bowlers in that first inning. Anderson taking six, Wood taking a few. Um, and, and just just the skill from both of them, as well as Curran backing them up. I mean, Anderson went at an economy rate of barely one. Wood bowled some unbelievable eight over spells in the heat of the day at the pace he bowls at is just fantastic. Um, and, and especially when you consider that in Sri Lanka, it's so unseam friendly. They, it's been, I think it's the first time ever that 10 wickets have been taken by seamers in, in Sri Lanka for, for whoever knows how long it was. It's an unbelievable effort. Um, but, but the, the, the spinners, I, I don't even know what to make of it. They, they obviously came, came back in the second innings and did, did a lot better, but, but no wickets from from the 50, 60 overs um, that they, they bowled just seems sort of just the, the weirdest thing when you think about the Sri Lankan pitches. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at their stats now. So Leach had 38 overs um, for 119 runs, um, five maidens. That, that's not great stats, if we're honest. And Don Bess, 26 overs, two maidens for 76 What's quite notable there is they're sort of allowing a lot of rotation and we'll talk about how Joe Root rotates a bit later, but they just kept allowing rotation. And if we're going to go on to India, which we're going to have a special preview podcast coming out in a couple of days, so look out for that. We are a bit worried that these spinners are a bit hit and miss or hit and go for a single and rotate the strike. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not looking good. Well, but we've also got to talk about Jimmy here. Um, what an incredible career. And I think when he retires, which could be in the next three years, I know recently he said he's going to try and play until he's 40 and beyond, inspired by players like Alex Stewart and even in other sports like Tom Brady. He just wants to keep on bowling. And he said he was a bit nervous before this test match. And it's really heartening to see how 
a player of his ilk, of some of the greatest sportsmen on earth, is still nervous before a test match and took six wickets. So, Toby, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear what is your sort of thoughts on Jimmy Anderson at his career in the moment, at the moment, sorry. Well, I think this match has really helped him. And I'd say the same with Brody, really, because before this series, I would have I would have said that these two players probably, maybe maybe only in like South Africa or, or the West Indies or somewhere where the, the ball does a little bit, they, they probably shouldn't be playing together anywhere else. Um, but but these last two matches, I think, have changed my mind completely. They've they both they've, it's just the economy rate that they've gone at, and that they've still managed to take wickets has just really impressed me. And and I think it it bodes well hugely for the next next couple of years while they're still playing. I mean, Brody's thirty four, I think, maybe 30, 35. He's got another sort of five years. It could be if he's playing to the same age that Jimmy wants to, and he's he's got another he's only a hundred wickets behind Jimmy, so could in theory catch up and, and possibly overtake. And, and they've just both been fantastic. And, and I, I, I'm looking actually forward to seeing them, particularly this summer, back at home. And then next Ashes series in Australia. It will be interesting to see how how they they fare with the conditions, I reckon. But but it, it does show how, how class these two players are. Let's move on to England's first innings. England replied, or should we say Joe Root replied, with 186. What a performance from the young man. Well, he's not young anymore. He's 30, which is quite weird to think. But he scored 186 in the blazing heat. During this innings, he overtook three legends of the English game and became England's fourth leading test run scorer. He overtook Kevin Peterson, David Gower and Geoffrey Boycott. Toby, simply how good was Joe Root on day two and day one? Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable, really. I mean, that's the second time in two matches he scored 100, which when you compare that to last year is... It's just it's just so different, you know. Root really struggled with 2019 and has already, almost already, outscored himself from last year. Which, when he's only really scored runs in two innings, it's it's fantastic to see how good is his cricket and it's he's coming back to form. Hopefully, I mean in Sri Lanka the pitches are can be a bit dodgy when you look at the rest of the England side. No one really scored big runs, so it it, it shows how how class a player he is and and it, and it is fantastic for us to see. Joe Root back in back in the runs. It's felt like Root has been the sole contributor on this tour, with no other English player looking as confident or comfortable on the foreign surfaces. Dom, should England be worried with the tour of India if they rely on Root again? Yeah, definitely. I think you made a really good point that no other Englishman really contributed. I think Johnny Bairstow was the second highest run scorer by 200 uh, runs was the deficit between him and Rooty. And it's a bit worrying how we're relying on Root. And I I say this a lot on my other podcast over the trend that we can't, Forrest can't rely on goals coming from our best players. We need a team effort. And it does feel a lot like England were relying on uh, Rooty to just sweep England out of a mess. And whilst Root was fact magnificent and we can't take that away from him, it's a bit worrying how the only batsman who could really come in who are coming in is Burns and Stokes. And let's be honest, we can't rely on those two lads to dig us out of a mess because we need a whole team. If you look at the team that won in India in 2012-2013, there were some great batsmen. There was Root, Bell, KP, and it was a team effort. And if we're honest, without a whole squad playing well and batting well on Indian surfaces, it's very hard to get a win in India. But it, England still managed to get to 381 in this test match. We'll talk about India later on in our preview podcast in the week. Sri Lanka replied with a ghastly display of 126 all out. 
whilst Roop demonstrated the art of test match batting, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka's innings was an oxymoron to that art. Disgusting shot selection, poor game management, and if I'm totally honest, Sri Lanka looked totally naive. But England completed something quite spectacular. Another stat for you here, taking 10 wickets of just spin with Bess, Root and Leach pouncing on Sri Lanka's failures, meaning England became the first team in test match history to take 10 wickets of seamers in the first innings and 10 test match wickets of spin in the next. Toby, simple question here. How poor was Sri Lanka in this innings? Yeah, it was, it's disappointing to see, really. I mean, before the test series, I think everyone thought that, that it would be a lot closer than, than last time England were in Sri Lanka, where we won 3-0 reasonably comfortably. But it's been the same again, I'd say. Shranka have shown in a couple of innings that they can bat and they can bat long, but it seems to be that one or two sessions they really struggle. They're, they either let the game get away from them with the ball and Root goes out and scores hundreds, double hundreds, or, or with the bat there's just too many bad shots and, and no one really tries to stick in there and 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 just combat time, which, which is a big shame when you when you look at some of the players they have in, in their squad with like Angela Matthews and uh, Chandamal. They've both been around for quite a while now and, and you'd hope that they might be able to just stick it out and, and back through. And they, they did score a couple runs, the two of them, but but not not to the level that someone like Root has done. England grinded to the win in the fourth innings with Sibley's 50 and Butler's 46, bringing the Moose Cup home for England. Now, we have to talk about this cup. On the surface, it looks like a normal cricket trophy, you know, very similar to the World Cup, other than it has antlers. It's a cricket ball on a pedestal with just antlers sticking out the top. Dom, is this the worst cup in sports history? It, it's fantastic. I, I I totally reject your argument that it's the worst. Every trophy should have antlers. The Football World Cup, antlers. The Rugby World Cup, antlers. The Ashes, antlers. It's just so cricket, isn't it? How we can't, we, we can't just sort of take any subtlety. And cricket used to be this game of utter subtlety and gentlemanness. But since almost the 90s everything has become so has to be spelled out it's as if we don't understand that the moose clothing tournament is sponsored by moose that the trophy has to have moose antlers on it It, it's just so bizarre and it's imagine just imagine going back to the lord's long room and they've got all the trophies joe's ever won when he retires and it's going to be a beautiful moment he's going to pass on the cap to the next captain and he's going to have all his trophies laid out there and there's going to be ashes, hopefully. There's going to be some great, beautiful trophies, or even the World Cup that he won with the ODI side. And then next to that is going to be a moose trophy. It is just so bizarre. It It's almost, it looks like the Super Bowl if it was gold and obviously based for cricket. And it, it's almost, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Oh, it oh, right. If, if, you're, if you haven't seen it, please look it up. Because this was the prize for England's fifth successive away test match victory this is the first time that's happened since 1914 um it's quite weird to describe this success with a moose trophy but toby how good is this for england winning five tests on the bounce away from home yeah it's it's fantastic to see really when you compare this this stat to, to what you should expect from england in the past few years since nothing since the sort of strauss era side where they got to world number one you wouldn't really think that england could go away from home and win consecutive test matches but it, it is, it's fantastic to see. And, and it's such a hard, hard thing to do for any cricket team. You look at look at any any side recently, they're all going to be struggling to win away from home. And, and I think even people who don't understand cricket know it, it's a hard thing. I was trying to explain it to some of my flatmates 
earlier in the week just after the match and and I think even they sort of could kind of understand that it's that home and away is, is just such a different thing in cricket to, to anywhere else. This is URN. England weren't the only team performing well away from home as Bangladesh had beaten the West Indies 3-0 in an ODI series. In game one, Shakib Alassane took four wickets for eight runs. Arguably not quite as good as your best figures though, Dom. Thank you, thank you. Um but he helped guide the Tigers to an easy win with 16 overs to spare. This was especially impressive as he's been banned since 2018 as he failed to report corruption attempts. The West Indies were bowled out for 122 and lost for six wickets. Then game two followed quite a similar script as the West Indies were bowled out for 144. And again, this was chased down quickly by Bangladesh. The third game went a bit, bit different as Bangladesh batted first, put a proud 297 on the board, which helped secure a 120 run victory as West Indies collapsed again. This imperious form has raised eyebrows. And with the T20 World Cup coming up around the corner, Dom, how do you think we should consider Bangladesh's chances? Yeah, I, I think they've got an added advantage, strangely, of being in the qualifying groups. And they play Holland, Namibia and Scotland. So they're going to have a almost... They should win all those games, if we're honest. Um, I really see that as a possibility for them to just practice on those surfaces, try things out for the sort of better teams. So they'd probably go into the England, India and South Africa, as well as Afghanistan group. Now that could be quite difficult to get out of that group, but if they can beat Afghanistan, that's one win. They're going to have to either be England, South Africa or India to have a real chance and hope one or the other get, there's a, there's a shock somewhere, but they're playing so well. Their economy on turning pitches, England could be worried about because if that's closing up batsmen's chance to get runs, it's, it, well, obviously, it stops the joy of T20. You can't see big hits. And it pressure has become almost the new wickets in cricket. It's become almost a sort of how you measure a good T20 bowler is the amount it can stop a batsman from running away with the game. So these players are fantastic. And fair play to Shakib Al-Hassan, because I read a story and it's he's, he's messed up, it's fair to say. He's messed up. And he's come back fighting. And whilst he does... Whilst he might not be the best player in the world, he's certainly utilising his skills to make Bangladesh a very, well, let's put it simply, a very good side and a team that could cause an upset at the T20 World Cup. And if you look at the Sri Lanka team in 1999, they they put cause an upset. And it's fair to say Bangladesh is a proud cricketing nation. They, I think they lost in 2011 to the West Indies. And whilst they didn't put a great show in, their their bus was stoned by their own fans. They have very determined fans. And cricket this past year has been very difficult for everyone involved. And Bangladesh fans, like no, like no other, have been through some real hardships. So they deserve almost Bangladesh to go and do something at a major tournament. Something they haven't done really. I mean, they've only qualified for the knockouts once in the 50-over game. So the T20 sort of grab and smash could be their sort of way in. But if you contrast that with Ireland, who have been also playing... It's it's been a very different story for Ireland. They've had a very good, difficult time against Afghanistan. Whilst there have been sterling performances from well Paul Sterling and Balburnie, um, Ireland just misjudged the pitches again. They were slow, and it was just it wasn't fun to watch really. Ireland are in real trouble if they can't get used to subcontinental pitches for the World Cup. But we can't forget that Af- Afghanistan played very well. Ramat batted phenomenally in the second ODI. 
worryingly it's a worrying time for Ireland. Let's not let's not um worry about let's not it's not trying to sugarcoat it. It is worrying. They don't have any games. I've been on their website, I've been on the BBC website, I can find the next Ireland game for for months. And think about how much cricket England will be getting in. I think we just another test series with New Zealand coming up this summer. I think Ireland don't have a next game for they don't have they don't have an organised game and if you can't train, you can't play well and it's a really worrying time for Ireland at the moment. Yeah, it's such a shame to hear that. I mean, obviously we all want we want cricket to play play as much as we can and, and it's the smaller nations that we that really do need to to get playing to help to help the uh the cricket just keep improving and, and cr- keep getting bigger. And so on the subject of the T20 World Cup, Alex Hales has surely put in the best reminder to England selectors that he's alive and well, not only scoring a blinding hundred for Sydney Thunder, but also scoring the most sixes in a season in Big Bash history, with 33 already being hit, as well as being the tournament's highest run scorer. Dom, is Alex Hales ever coming back to England's squads with stats like that? Surely it's going to be, be soon, sooner rather than later. It, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because... He is arguably England's best T20 batsman and he's set the world alight in the big bash and he's been Sydney Thunder's real rock in that team to score runs and 30, uh, breaking a big bash record, is, it's it's incredible. It's 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 equivalent to doing what you can in Serie A or La Liga and not being put in the England football team. But he has broken that trust um, uh, with the, the coaching team and with Owen Morgan with his drugs ban in just before the World Cup, and it is, and whilst I would never say he could get back in the ODI side, if England don't select Alex Hales for the T20 World Cup and they don't win, they're in a real rough patch because they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, because he has burnt his bridge, it's fair to say, but if we live in an age and society where you do the crime, you take the punishment, surely he's done his punishment now of two years, missing out on arguably the highlight of his career, and if we look at the World Cup, when James Vince came in, he was nowhere near Alex's Hales standard. And it cost England in the Sri Lanka game and even the Australia game. And it was so evident that we missed that, that little bit, that little X factor in our reserves. And Alex Hales is that X factor. And imagine what he could do for England um, in the T20 World Cup. He scored 100 there already. The stage isn't too big for him. And as a not uni, he is someone we will be lucky enough to see, hopefully in the summer, play for the Outlaws. And I'd be interested to hear, can you see him being in the T20 squad, even after he's burnt his bridges? I don't really know. Personally, I, I would I would love to get him back in there. If I was on Morgan, I'd, I would just, I think they should almost, they need to talk about it. Unless there's things going on behind the scenes that perhaps we can't see, which is, is highly likely. Um, then, then I, I would personally get him back in the squad. I mean, if you look at England's sort of top order options right now, we, we already probably have some of the strongest in the world with the likes of Roy, Butler, uh, Mallon at three, the number one batsman in the world, and Best just having to bat down at number four, which which seems mental when when he's such a such a class white ball player. So if you look look at bringing Hales back into the side, first of all, would he get back in? Maybe, maybe not. With with this form, you think he would. But but then where would you fit him in? And just the depth we would have is so much stronger than than you could possibly have without him. With the likes of Banton, sort of probably being our sort of top order batsman sitting on the side at the moment, maybe Root um, as more of a sort of um, nerdler and rather than the big hitter. Um, would you get him back in the side then, Dom? 
If we're going to be honest, I'd say yes, but he's had to talk to the sort of management team. Toby, straight answer, yes or no, is he in the side? For me, yes. For Morgan, probably no. Ooh. Ooh, that's interesting. So we'll obviously cover the World Cup next year all across URN. But as we speak at the moment, Pakistan are playing South Africa. And on day one, it's fair to say there were plenty of wickets, 14 in total. South Africa fell apart for 220. And in reply, Pakistan tumbled to 33 for four at the close of play. Day two was a very different affair as batting ruled. Alam scored 104, partnered with Fahim, putting on a very good 378 all out. A major part of day two was Kisa Rabada's 200 test match wicket. Toby, how impressive is this feat for Kagisa Rabada? Yeah, it's it's fantastic, really. I mean, he it only seems a few years ago that he's come onto the scene. He's he's 25, um, and he's he's probably South Africa's best bowler right now, and and has been for the past few years. Possibly even the since Stain and Morkel have been playing one of their best best ever. Um, and and when you when you look at his age and and the fact that, that he's been playing around for so long already, he can only go up in the world. It seems like he's carrying South Africa single-handedly, and and I he, I think he could be going on for another 10, 10 years. And if you look at the way Anderson wants to keep going, as we always come back to them, it could be forty. That takes another fifteen years where he could, he could be playing, and that could you think maybe maybe three three hundred four hundred wickets looks a minimum perhaps if unless unless something catastrophic happens to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Rabada, as someone who's been very lucky enough to see him down at Gloucester when he Kent came down a few years ago. And Gloucester's quite a small pitch and it's very visible, the pace of a player. It's fair to say him and Mohamed Amir are the fastest bowlers I've ever seen. I'm lucky enough to see Joffre Archer at his full potential. I saw him play for Middlesex and he, and he wasn't he wasn't at full pace, I don't think. But the, Rabada was something else. He lit up the pitch and Almost in a Freddie Flintoff way, he had a charisma around him when he bowled that just encapsulated the whole crowd. And Gloucester, so I say, isn't isn't a very good cricketing crowd. It doesn't. And this is someone who who does support Gloucester partially. It just wants to see good cricket. It's not a it's not behind the team. And it was so evident how good Rabada was, and the whole crowd got behind him, even though he was facing their local team. It was it was something that rarely happens in any other sport, but. It was so good to see Rabada getting his 200th wicket and we hope he can go on because he is he is so pumped up. I remember when he got, or he didn't get banned, sorry, for bumping into Steve Smith. And I, I just think anyone who plays test match cricket of that passion and that, that high quality just deserves to, to play on and play on because it makes the game so much better. This is URN. Now, speaking of high quality emotions and drama, We've got another game. So after the triumph of Stick It Wikipedia, Toby, what are we playing? We're playing Arjun Smarter Than a Ten-Year-Old. Oh, Don, what a name you came up with for this Thank one. You. Thank you. I sent him a message yesterday, day before, just saying, I've got a game, can't think of it. Came up with it and, and we've, we recently Googled it and, it, and, and there's a 29 fi- film, 2019 film called Jersey. It's an Indian film about <laughs> cricket. And so about about a guy called Arjun who who's in his mid thirties, he starts cricket and hopes to play for India. So so we'll we'll call it it's about about him. Um so to get onto the premise of the game, you might remember a few weeks ago we had stocking fillers um on our Christmas special for the India versus Australia series. 
and, and I basically I'll read out a stat about a player um, and Dom will have a guess to try and see who it is and I keep going I've got five stats and he needs to by the end of each, by the end of all the stats have worked out who it is and so it's five runs four runs three runs two runs run run and if he doesn't get it no runs unfortunately I think last time you had five players the same as this and you managed to get 15 or 16 okay so for me to get the win what score do I need I'm going to set you 15 again because I think 15. that's what I set you last time so you are in ashes all right let's go <laughs> okay here we go player number one. Oh, and also they're all England or India players from the 21st century okay so, player number one, he was part of the third highest ever opening partnership of 410 versus Pakistan in 2006. England did play Pakistan in that period because Monty gets a wicket and and, and doesn't oh Inzimar will hack fall over his stumps. So, was it the first wicket partnership or the second wicket partnership? Sorry. Opening partnership. Opening okay. partnership. Okay. So, so it's going to be either Strauss or Triscothic. So I'm going to go to Strauss. Unfortunately, that's incorrect. So question or stat number two. From his 164 test matches, he has 36 hundreds, five double hundreds, and has never gotten out for a golden duck. That's, that's, that's impressive, actually. That's really good stats. I'm, going to, I'm just going to say Cook. I know it's wrong. It's not Alistair Cook, unfortunately. Number three. He is one of three Indian players to carry his bat, scoring 146 versus England in 2011 in a test match. Um, Raul Dravid? It is Raul Dravid. <laughs> yes. Out of nowhere, he plucks it. And the last two stats would have been he has 13,288 test runs at 52 and only one Indian player has more. And the final one would have been, he's faced the greatest number of balls in Test cricket, 31,258, and is nicknamed The Wall because of it. So three runs for Dom on the first one. He's, he's on average here. Okay, number two. He is the only player from his country to score four centuries before his 22nd birthday. Okay, so it's going to be someone quite young. I don't think Rooty did it, even though he looked like he just finished his GCSEs when he came and batted for England. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm going to go with Virat Kohli. It is not Virat Kohli, unfortunately. Number two, he became the first player ever to score a century in each of his first five matches as captain. Sachin Tendulkar. It's not Tendulkar, unfortunately. Number three, he was part of the second highest opening stand for his country since 1966 of 231 in New Zealand in 2013. Oh, is it Cookie? It is Alistair Cook, yes. Very average. <laughs> That's the way you need to do it though, mate. Just keep going. Averages will count. Number three, um, this player took 255 wickets in test matches at 29.97 from his 60 test matches. Okay, so 60 test matches. That's a good career. Is it Graham Swan? He's done it first time. Yes. Absolute screamer. He belts one into the leg side. Five runs. Five. <laughs> I think my favourite stat from this one, 
This player is the leading singer of a rock band, Dr. Comfort and the Lurid Revelations, which play cover songs in, in gigs around Nottinghamshire. And he also took part on Strictly in 2018, Graham Swan. That's quite impressive guy. Oh, I, I'm very happy I got that in the stats. Oh, oh, I loved him as a kid. I thought it was just the best thing that had ever happened. And I implore anyone to watch his tour diaries of the ashes because they're just the funniest thing in 2010-11. Oh, right. Right, so on, what am I on now? 11? So you are get... on 11, yes. So if you can do this one first or second time. Uh, first time you win it, second time you've tied. So, okay. player number four. This white ball icon averages 37 or more with the bat in all three formats of international cricket and also in the IPL. Okay, so he's Indian. I'm... So... He bats well, it's fair to say. Verinda Sewag is, for some reason, come to mind. I'm, I'm going to just try it again and go Virat Kohli. Unfortunately, it's not Virat Kohli. Number two. No player has more IPL matches, 204, than him. And he has captained 54 more matches in the IPL than the next closest player. Okay, so he's captain material. He's Indian. He's he bats well. Um, is it Dhoni? MS Dhoni? It is MS Dhoni. Yes, well done. So he's tied level. Level over could be on the cards. As what was it? Agus said, you, England can't lose. England can't. <laughs> Number five. This player averages forty with the bat in Asia but under 20 everywhere else in Test cricket. <laughs> okay. Is it Ben Folks? It is not Ben Folks. Good shout, but unfortunately not. I like not. on that. <laughs> I think that could be, that could be <laughs> close, actually, yeah. Okay. I think he might average over 20 elsewhere. But, yeah, but a good innings in England or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, number two. In 2016, he was named the County Championship Player of the Year by the Cricket Writers Club, aged 24. Um, I'm going to go for... No, it can't be Virat Kohli. It can't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't be. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to say... Uh, Hakib Al Hassan. It is not, unfortunately, no. Number three. This player debuted in 2016 in the India vs England series and scored 100 on debut, but got Golden Duck in the second innings. It's not Gary Balance, is it? It's not Gary Balance, unfortunately, no. I'll, I'll say you've you've been like the the kind of players you've been naming have been have been very close to to it he sort of failed England star sort of batsman who's who, who sort of came through everyone and thought oh he's going to be fantastic and, and sort of struggled a bit more okay number four this South African born opening batsman bowls a few medium paces but has no test wickets from his 12 overs I'm going to have to go Nick Compton it is not Nick Compton unfortunately oh we're on to the final question if dom can get this one right get the player he wins it and we draw a level in the urn super over 
If not, I, I, we could go to a URN super over super over. So this could be big, a big moment. Okay. This player has 17 catches, including a few fantastic grabs at short leg in Sri Lanka a couple of years ago. Where a couple of years ago and scored 146 knockout, not out, making it look likely he would play this year in Sri Lanka, but was not in the post-COVID squad to Sri Lanka, although was selected before and went out originally. He was in the squad, so he wasn't in the squad. Rory Burns wasn't in the squad. He's a great player of spin, I'll tell you. No, I, I don't know. He's a, he's a left-handed opening batsman with minimal foot movement. And Bumrah got one of them absolute peach a couple summers ago. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, oh, this is so weak. These are basic fundamentals I should be getting. Um, is it is it Rory Burns? It's not Rory Burns, unfortunately. No, it is Keaton Jennings. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> what do I always think about Keaton Jennings? He looks like the giraffe that is the mascot for Lancashire. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, Keaton Jennings. Unfortunately, yes. But we're... we're tied level here I will say if you can get this player for three runs or more you can win otherwise if you fail to get him or get two runs or less then take the L question number one for this final player in the super over of the super over this player was part of the world record eighth wicket partnership in test cricket of 332 with Stuart Broad. Um, that would be Jonathan Trott. Done it the first time. Yes! Get on the board. <laughs> what an unbelievable shout and a fantastic win from Dom there to steal it in the super over of the URN super over. That is fantastic play it was tight squeeze towards the end there when he struggled to get Keith and Jennings but by the barest of bare margins he has done it oh well I'd like to thank my family so I'm setting the quiz next week um look forward to that and we'll probably have an extra episode out with the year preview so it'll be on that one so the URN super over carries on into the next round yeah so guys thank you so much for listening Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Our Instagram's stickywicket underscore URN and our Twitter is URN stickywicket. If you guys have any suggestions on specials you want us to do or any interviews or anything else you want to just tell us about the podcast, please just DM us, just send us a message um, just to let us know any ideas you might have. Um, and just one final reminder that our podcast interview with Chris Millard, the head of the Barmy Army, he's going to give us an in-depth detail on inside the barmy army some of the tours he's been on he, some of the interviews he's he's had with some fantastic people um just go and give it a listen it's it's the link is in our instagram and our twitter bios to, to the spotify or just type urn into any podcast site and it will be under sticky wicket i think it was our ninth episode so guys thank you so much for listening thank you for joining us dom go well yeah cheers mate go well guys this this is University Radio Nottingham. Nottingham.